Because you know who's in the house. We're not even going to say his name yet. But before we do, we are going to introduce the co-conspirator. My brother, the executive producer, technical director. The man who's trying to help me bring fun, entertaining, and interesting UAP talk of the phenomenon and Bigfoot and paranormal in this joint. Money Nathan. Oof, man. What is up, guys? Great to see y'all. Happy Wednesday. Uh, I'm coming to you live from Skinwalker Ridge, uh, so just uh, <laughs> stay uh, off that Mesa, Nathan. <laughs> I got to be careful, so you watch out for me. All right. <laughs> talk about like Brandon going up there in dress shirt and a three piece suit. I'm looking for um, UFOs. UFOs. <laughs> I love the way he said that. All right, and also special treat. Going to pick up Mr. Prime tonight after INS, but before she does any of that business and before she starts version zero. Oh my God. We're t- <laughs> <laughs> Leah Prime. <laughs> Good evening, everyone. DJ, I want whatever you're having tonight. I'm tying one on with a Coke Zero, and that's like hard stuff. Oh, version Coke Zero. This is great. Yeah, Maybe we can Coke get Coca Cola. We can get a tie in, get there some advertising. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Sponsorship. I like it. And, and now right here, this is my brother right here. I'll tell you what, I have so many good talks with this guy. I can't wait to get on the phone with him every time and pick his damn brain. He is the host of Bigfoot Crossroads, former Bigfoot outlaw, and just an original gangster. Uh, and he's going to be able to cut it up with TJ tonight a little bit about Bigfoot. So put your hands together for Matt Knapp. What up? <sighs> Matt Knapp. <sighs> All right. Um, so Nathan, is this the third time or fourth time we've had TJ on? Did he come to the holiday party? Uh, he may have. Yes. Yeah. So I, I was kind of trying to title the episode. I was like, it's TJ returns <laughs> again. He returns and returns again. Yeah, it's great. We're so, I, I know. Eternal we're so return, blessed. That, yes. uh, yeah. That he has, uh, decided mm-hmm. to, to, uh, lend his time to us. And I'm sure a lot of people would like to have him. And every time I contact TJ and say, Hey, would, would you come on with us? He says, yes. So uh, this man right here, let me tell you what, man, two-time Emmy-winning producer, executive producer of The Secret of Skinwalker Ranch on History Channel. While you're at home eating Cheetos, he don't got his master's degree. So put your hands together for Mr. T.J. Allen. Yeah. <laughs> I love your intros. Every day. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Great yeah. intros, man. Appreciate it. So uh, I always love coming on here. Great to have you back. We love having you, TJ. We really do appreciate it, man. Appreciate There's it. other people. We struggle and struggle and struggle to get them on. We're like, look, you're going to have a good time. Come on up in here. Yes. And it's like, you it's know, fun. man, you know. Um, ah. So now I, I assume that what you're going to tell me is hair and makeup just left. And it took them an hour for you to look like this. No, I just got home. <laughs> what? All over today. You, no, you mean this is just how bad. you look normally? 
Yes, you guys are always so flattering. I, Incredible. So, no, Nathan, my, take uh, it away, man. Just take it. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, it's. Uh, yeah. I'll try. I'll do the best that I can. So, TJ, okay. congrats on the launch <laughs> of season four of Skinwalker yes. Ranch. I just Thank watched you. that first episode. It's awesome. It's great to see these guys Appreciate back it. together. Uh, the entire team. And, you know, not only is it unique, we've talked about this before, to have a show go for this long, but it's also yeah. unique to have the kind of chemistry that these folks have together. I mean, they really seem like a close-knit group of people. Uh, how hard is it to find this kind of winning formula? It's impossible. It's impossible. <clears throat> when I try to explain the idea of the odds here of this happening, this is like the Powerball, right? It is, it, it, it's... To work in the industry for so long, you try and you try and you try to get a show on air. Uh, and then when you do, you pray that, you know, season one turns into season two. And it's like, oh, my God, that's the win. And season three, oh, my God, four. What? Like, nobody gets season four anymore. You know, and and I can I'll tell you this right now. I, the numbers came out, the early reads on the ratings, and we're up from last season premiere. So that's a big thing. Fantastic. You know, fingers crossed uh, that it keeps trending that way because now it's all about the trend. Right. So where do we go from here? Um, networks look at those numbers very intently, and uh, but yes, the chemistry of these guys it's the real deal. I was just I was trying to pull up on my phone because you got Skinwalker Ridge there. I have all these pictures of me on the ridge with the guys. Um, <laughs> yesterday I talked, I was talking to Eric and Tom yesterday, uh, FaceTiming guys. It's funny, it's like it's just you know, they're they're people, right? But there's Eric's Eric just lives there, man. Mm-hmm. Eric doesn't come home ever, wow. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah. <laughs> No, it's, 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 a, it's a unique group. Uh, I heard from Jim today. I love Jim. Jim's my brother. Um, great guy. Same, same with Bryant. Talk to Bryant. Uh, they're all good. Good people, man. Awesome. And it's, uh, you know, they, 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 they keeping, they keep it real. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're really just doing it and they're still out there working. Tom was all beat up, dusty and dirty yesterday working. So, wow. So let me ask a quick follow-up to that. So now that the show has had the success that it has, I mean, is it kind of easier to get folks interested in showing up to the ranch to help them conduct these experiments? I would imagine that's opened some doors. It is. Yeah. You're, Eric's beating people off of a stick, essentially. <laughs> Everyone wants to be a part of a piece of it. Um, but that's what happens. You know, there's property and he, he, not, not a physical property, but an intellectual property and people want to be a part of that. And so, you know, you, you'll see vendors, you call them vendors, right? People just coming out with their wares and they're bringing stuff on. And, and it's, you know, it, it it's a vehicle for them. It's a vehicle for you. Um, you know, there's, it's like in-kind advertising is a way to look at it. Uh, you know, back in my, back in days when I was doing a, a home renovation show, we used to do these things. Um, everything has a dollar value attached to it. So a mention is more valuable than say, like a, a mention, like a, a someone physically saying your name of your product is more valuable than like, say a logo shop, um, you know, which is more valuable than say, you know, a pan of a logo. Uh, so everything has a value. And, and so in trade, it was like, Hey, um, we're going to show the brand of your store. You guys are going to wear t-shirts for your store. Um, but we need you to provide us with cabinetry. And so they'll provide cabinets and then they get free advertising in that way. So <clears throat> that's kind of the way it works. Man, that's great. So, uh, so not my, so much in this. Like, what's that? So my presence out at the ranch is worth how much? 
there's a value to it, man. Five, I mean, with you, six dollars. They can't afford it. They, so they can't afford that. It's, they can't put a price on it. Yeah, no. cannot afford you. <laughs> like a vente, sort of a, a, a Starbucks. Anyway, sort of a vente is like seven hundred and forty dollars. What are you talking about? It's not. It's not like a bargain at any means. I have to pay G, TJ one hundred fifty thousand dollars to step inside the gate. Go ahead, Matt. <laughs> Go ahead, Matt. How do uh, I even okay, Matt, that up? Take it away, brother. I'm sorry. Before <laughs> the deep I, voice. I say anything else stupid, go ahead. Has there ever been any uh, consideration or thought in changing the name from Skinwalker Ranch to Skinwalker Vinaigrette? I need to word that one in there. No, uh, I read somewhere on the Internet of Things oh. that uh, rapper Post Malone visited the ranch. Uh, what was that like and like do you have a lot of celebrity guests wanting to come out there um so i had nothing to do with any of those guests that's a brandon thing so brandon is a musician at heart um you know that's his kind of one of his passions so he's he does bring these acoustic experts out uh to kind of you know evaluate stuff in a way that you're not going to get normally right like it's not that's kind of the, the the way you can justify bringing someone like them out there to a spot that is that that dangerous um it is not a a funny games place um but you know these people like you don't become a a huge recording artist without knowing something about audio and acoustics and vibrations and, and i think that's that's kind of the the overlap there uh, but yeah I, I imagine brandon's contacted all the time i mean i know i contact him all the time and he very rarely gets back to me <laughs> gotten back to me either <laughs> no, I, I awesome. he's, show, but <laughs> he's 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 a uh he lives it man he's in it he's living it um that guy i mean if you look at his activity online he you know two in the morning he's tweeting and then six yeah. in the morning he's tweeting like i don't know he's he doesn't sleep he's a machine so i wouldn't care to have him on uh because of who he is because of uh, what his the fact just that he owns the ranch, I just like the guy. I just think he's like you said, he's cool, and he's really just mm-hmm. trying to be like is interested in the phenomenon, just like we are, uh, just he's like you are. The same reason that yeah. we want to have you on is why we would have him on, not because he owns the ranch. Like that's not enough for me to want to have somebody on sure. the show. Um, sure. But let me let me turn you over to. So we had two two great new cabbies. Uh, one of our last cabbies actually made a logo of Skinwalker Ranch dressing. Matt doesn't know that. Our prior cabbie Remember named that. Uh, Flair that we had on. But uh, but let me pass you over to this, uh, another amazing new cabbie we have here, Leah Prime. Yeah, hey, TJ. <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, also, by the way, I'm admiring that little paperweight over your shoulder there. Actually, there's <laughs> two of them. Those little gold statues look pretty nice. Um, <laughs> oh, Yes. That old thing. Yeah, yeah. I'm oh, broadcasting yeah. from like the cable, and you're just like gently flexing. Yeah, locally flexing. Yeah, yeah, just stretching, pushing the laptop down, make sure you can see the second one. I mean, I've got like um, a Funko Pop behind me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> my office is a disaster right now. This is a mess. I can't disaster. even get to it. No awards everywhere. Um, <laughs> one of the things I'm always super curious about uh, with people that are working, producing, writing, creating in and around this subject is who's influenced their approach to the subject. Um, and I'd love to hear, you know, who's influenced you either from a production standpoint or from like an informational or sort of opinion standpoint. So that's interesting. I've never had that question. Um, I got to be honest, my friends involved in my influences. Uh, 
because I look at all of this as so to be a quote unquote expert in any of the paranormal anything, right? Um, an expert means in this field like that you have full historical knowledge of the stories and narratives. Mm -hmm. That's what an expert is in this field. There's no because we have no answers to anything. So, and I, there's there's good and bad to that, right? So so I don't take any inspiration or, or any kind of. There's never been a narrative that I have followed that I haven't come up with myself. Um, mm -hmm. because my, all of ours are just as validated as anyone else's. I don't care if you're Jacques Vallée or whoever the heck you think you are. You have an opinion. Yes, it may be backed up by anecdotal data or even some big data. Either way, um, data you collected on your own, that's great. But you don't have any answers any more than anyone else does. So you don't know anything. Uh, I don't, I, and I've always approached it like that. I don't know anything. And so I'm, I am very, very open and objective to all of this. I don't claim anything. <laughs> um, and I don't discount anybody's thoughts or feelings or, or, or experiences. Um, mm -hmm. I make room for everyone to talk about their stuff. And I, and it could be just as valid as anybody else's. So in that regard, like in terms of inspiration, like storytelling and thinking of this, I've never really taken, taken that, like taken it from anybody else. The thing, <clears throat> this project in particular started off, I, I like to say it like started off as a dare um, because so I'm a TV guy first, right? So my history is all home renovation shows. The Rockettes Christmas Spectacular for you know years. Like these are the things that I produced. Um, television commercials, video games, like all of this other stuff. So um, after pitching a lot and finding, you know, I, I look at a market, you do like an analysis of a market and you're like, okay, so what's popular right now? And at this time, Oak Island was super popular. And so with Oak Island being popular, it's like, well, if the way my mind always works is if that, then what else? If that, then what else? And so I like kind of like, you know, take two great tastes to taste great together. Right. So I'm like, when I pitched Skinwalker, I pitched it as a paranormal Oak Island, literally a paranormal Oak Island. And they were like, how could you do that? Where could we find that? They're like, there's only two places you could do that, Area 51 and Skinwalker Ranch. And no one's ever been able to get into any of either of those places. And that's when it was like, well, challenge accepted. And it cool. took me two years and like a dog with a bone, man. There's no way I was giving up on that. Um, and so once I found an opportunity, um, I think that the floodgates of the floodgates of information about this top, these topics and how they all overlap with one another um, hit me in a way I wasn't expecting. But so like the, the creative part of it was I was looking, I was a TV person looking for an opportunity and looking for a project that no one was able to do before to kind of climb that mountain, put my flag on it. Um, that's what we did. Like I brought you Skinwalker Ranch and no one else would ever have been able to do this. Literally. It took me years. Of, Brandon will tell you my late night phone calls, my three minute talks at 2 AM with him um, to get this tracked out. So and there was no script for this. There was no one's ever done this before. Uh, so there was no like blueprint to follow. So I was trying to follow the blueprint of Oak Island of like, hey, let's find a place that we can study something for a long period of time and get legitimate data collection going and, mm -hmm. and you know, make it repeatable, build a data set, study it over and over and over and over and lock it down so no one can touch it. Um, and that's what we did. So in terms of that, like the inspiration of Skinwalker, I think that happened... You know, from, from those those conversations with network execs, like almost challenging you, like mm -hmm. you can't get this one. <laughs> okay, fine. Right. Um, so yeah, but there was never any other, uh, I guess it was never like an inspiration other than like, you know, don't tell me I can't do something because yes. <laughs> I will <laughs> find a way. You're tenacious, so. man.
Yankees tenacious. Uh, Bu- Buffalo's own, uh, and it, it kind of made <laughs> me think of of Buffalo when when you you talked about that, TJ. And I've got two questions for you, but the first one is going to be about Buffalo, and I'm going to ask you if your friend. I assume that you have friends. You grew up there. You have friends there that you interact with on a regular basis that are outside of the entertainment industry. Well, Am I correct? No. Well, so I am trans. I just moved to Buffalo. Uh, okay. I'm from central New York, which is Utica, oh, right which is okay. like right smack dab in the middle of New York state. Upstate right now. Oh, where? Yeah, I'm, I'm right outside Albany, uh, born and raised, but I'm, I'm on an itinerant digital nomad year, but I pass through Buffalo whenever I go back to Pittsburgh. So, okay. Okay. No, I mean, I just moved to, so I left, I left Utica back right in the late nineties and moved to New York city. And then I moved up here three years ago. Um, because it was just opportunities were up here. So, uh, but in terms of like my friends outside of the business, so there's TV, for, there's people that you know, BTV and ATV, right? Before TV and after TV. Um, and, well, you know, there's. It's the BTV that I'm curious about. Do they want to speak with you about this topic? And what do they say? <laughs> no, I think we all beat it to death growing up and talked about this stuff, many drunken bonfires and like. <laughs> We all have the same, we all had the same opinion. Like no one's ever going to know anything. You know, no one, like it, it really became a, I remember having these talks as a, like a teenager talking about like, you know, when I become rich and famous, because everyone wants to be rich and famous when you're a teenager in the 80s, the 90s, it's like, you know, when I become rich and famous, um, I'm going to take all the smartest people I can find. I'm going to rent out a huge mansion. I'm going to pay all the smartest people I can to sit around and we're going to talk about all these unknowns. That was like, I remember having these, these conversations with my friends. Like, this is what I want to do when I, like, they're like, why would you want to do that? Like, you could do anything you want. You just want to nerd out and talk about stuff like this. Um, but it was, yeah. you know, we all had the same. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Um, so we all had these same kind of, uh, you know, the, the things like we used to go ghost hunting, you know, with baseball bats. I don't know why. <laughs> um, it's always so weird to me. Uh, we go to cemeteries in the middle of the night with bats. Like, what are you going to do? Fight a ghost? Like, what am I, is that bad? <laughs> uh, like, but now it's, uh, we, you know, we still talk about this stuff, but now it's, you know, it crosses over to the business part of it. And now it's, you know, I'm, I'm capped about certain things I can and can't say about, you know, stuff. Not that I know any secrets. The only secrets I know are things that happen on the show. I don't know secrets outside of that. Um, and I can't tell you the stuff I know about the show. because <laughs> my job. Uh, Absolutely, so. we we would never try to get you to compromise. Uh, you know, you come on here, we're never going to try to dig something no. that's going to get you in trouble. Um, what's no, interesting no though is that the phenomenon and what you just talked about, kicking it around at a at a keg party down by the you know the lake or the river or or um, you know talking about sitting Mind around fires. in a mansion. It's 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 really a metaphor for life because it's not really about getting the answers. Everybody who's on this panel right now probably won't be alive to get a whole lot further or get, quote, the answers. But it's about the journey, which is what we're doing right here, which is what you're doing on the show, which is what you're doing at the keg party. You know, you're just taking the journey and and kicking around with people that you enjoy talking to. So Treating the beer for scotch. Exactly. (laughs) He's got more money now. He's like, I'm not doing Jenny Cream Ale. Uh, Oh, my God. That's the first beer I had. I'm just kidding. I'm a New Yorker. Come on, man. Oh, my God. Jenny Cream Ale. That's so funny. I remember being like, oh, this is great. What am I drinking this for? This is ridiculous. <laughs> it's um, so funny. The second question I wanted to ask you is about the dynamic between Eric. I mean, 
the show that, you know, okay, yeah, we have this great scientist who has a multitude of degrees, but we didn't know that he was actually working as a contractor to the Aero office. Uh. So, you know, that makes his profile significantly larger. What is the dynamic like? First, first of all, congratulations on getting a scientist on of that with those bona fides at that level. Yes. But what is the dynamic between Travis and Eric? Because you have two scientific guys, so, so to speak. I, I've, uh, you know, talking to the guys, um, I, it is a, uh, it's a very symbiotic relationship between everyone. Um, they know, I think people have fallen into where they, what they do and how they do it. Um, I don't ever see any, uh, not maybe they hide it very well. I'm not privy to any, like, like any negatives or, or like, there's no animosity or anything like that. I think everyone knows their lane and they all kind of stick with it. Like they, you know, Eric is an observer. He's, you know, that's what he does. Um, Travis likes to poke shit. Oh, poke stuff. <laughs> <laughs> does, man. Uh, Let's fire a rocket into it. See what happens. More. Another one. Another one. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I think everyone knows that and they've all kind of settled into their stuff and, and that's, you know, so yeah, that's chill. my take on it. Yeah, okay. I, I, it is. Um, you know, you're not reading any trades about people having fistfights behind the scenes or anything. So that's no, good. I think that's <laughs> great. I mean, I, it, it appears like there's a healthy respect for roles and that's all that's important is that you respect your colleagues and their role and that they're probably strong in a certain area, which, you know, they all are in an area that somebody else is not. Um, so uh, yeah. I'm going to pass you to money, Nathan. We'll go through this round, and then we'll start into the fireside chat where we're going oh, yeah, to get to hear your topic, and everybody else is going to get to throw a topic. Nice. So please, money, Nathan, take it away, sir. Yeah, I want to kind of follow up on that Travis Taylor line. So it was kind of controversial when that news came out that he would have been on the UAPTF, the chief scientist, and in that first episode kind of spent some time talking about that with the team. I thought was smart. Uh, what, in what way has that impacted the the show? I mean, has it has there been any other government involvement because of his involvement with that group? What what, what can you say about that? Uh, I can say that our ratings are up, <laughs> <laughs> and that's great. <laughs> uh, uh, you can read into that however you want. Um, <clears throat> The, uh, the yeah, viewership, the, I should say, then. So, other than just no, 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 I, I, I know your question, and I purposely am not answering your question. Uh, I understand. You know, there's, there's, yes. Watch, tune in this season. <laughs> well, let me ask you this: uh, then. Uh, How would you? I mean, the seasons have been, I think, very solid and consistent. So, how would you? Sure. Uh, kind of rank this season uh, relative to the others in terms of you ain't seen nothing yet, and I cannot wait. <laughs> <laughs> it is an arc, man. So you got it's a story arc. You start off slow, ramp itself up. Um, there was a crescendo that happens. Um, things, people, there's going to be some opinions changed this season. It's going to be some opinions formed and opinions changed this season. I'm going to leave it at that. That's, I think, I think, I, I don't think there's going to be, uh, yeah, um, it's different. It's different. I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited. I, I'm curious about what reactions are going to be. Is what I'm. I think the social reactions are going to be the bigger. I don't know. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. Um, I'm pretty pumped. For it. it definitely went up a level with the helicopter last season. With the how the radar altimeter was spoofed. How they then saw the object. I think with a different. 
Uh, they had uh, some sort of optical device on the ground where they could see an object pass underneath the helicopter. That I think really that really dialed it up last season. So I, I can see how with how far they pushed the envelope, drilling right. into the side of the mesa last season, firing up into areas that they thought would would be uh, provoking that the phenomenon. You can only met, they're going to go further this season because like we already did that. We're going to dial it up. So, now what? <laughs> I know now what? Um, and we're digging. Matt, There's some digging. Matt, as we pass it to you, I asked TJ earlier on text message, had he heard of Bigfoot activity on the ranch? He hasn't. And I I feel like I heard that there was, Matt, in, in, with your sources. Had you heard of anything prior to Brandon uh, buying it, or had you heard anything about act, Bigfoot activity on the ranch? You know, years ago, I think it might have been Ghost Hunters, the television series. Uh, there was some paranormal team that visited the ranch location uh on an episode and they had some activity that in my opinion was bigfoot activity and not paranormal related uh Hmm. i mean just the classic they heard something walking around i think something threw a rock or a stick at them uh there were some vocalizations and it's just all stuff that would classically be attributed to bigfoot um outside of that i mean Obviously, the area in general has a lot of stories and history, and there's uh, an individual who I believe claims to have at once lived on the property adjacent to Skinwalker Ranch, who's said some things over the years. Uh, But, you know, it's all stories. Uh, As far as actual reports from Skinwalker Ranch, I'm I'm not really familiar with any actual reports or anything. but there's some activity that could be considered, uh, like I said, classic Bigfoot activity. What's uh, classic Bigfoot activity? Like, what, uh, can you give me an example? Things that, in my opinion, would seem uh, the result of a human, uh, possibly. Um, smacking on the outside of buildings, uh, objects being oh. moved around property, you know. Uh, a lot of times it's associated with a haunting. Uh, but if you go in and find tracks, you know, then you start asking other questions. Uh, you know, stick structures, formations, things of that nature, uh, strange primate-like vocalizations or human-like vocalizations. Uh, you know, classic howls and the siren call that you uh, hear on the internet. It's called the Ohio howl. Uh, hmm. Had you heard that, TJ? The Ohio I've, Howl. I've never, I've never heard the Ohio Howl. No. Yeah, Matt Moneymaker, the uh, guy from Skinwalker Ranch. He was, I don't know what his role at Skinwalker Ranch. Obviously, he was the principal behind it. The lawyer from L.A. went to school in Ohio. He's the one who got that recording in like '94, '95, and it's an it's an amazing recording. It's it's quite mm-hmm. powerful to hear it because you're trying to figure out what animal would do that. So sorry to interrupt, Matt. No, you're good. Um, Fire away with your question whenever you're ready, sir. I was just going to ask about uh, whenever it comes to, you know, producing the actual television series. I know a lot of research done in this sort of phenomenon is a lot of waiting game and a lot Mm -hmm. of time spent with no activity. How do you handle that in producing a series? And do you ever feel pressure to, you know, make things seem possibly more than they are, or is there enough activity to keep the ball moving, so to speak? No, so the 
just to be clear, so the guys at Prometheus are doing the day-to-day production. Like those guys are ass kickers and they know what they're doing. Um, and this is, everything is, you know, in television, uh, unscripted television is what, uh, you know, what I always call situationally scripted. Uh, and so it is a, <clears throat> you're scripting beats and you're scripting story arcs. Um, and what we have, the benefit of this show uh, is that there are experiments. And so the experiments are going to drive the action. Um, and the result, so you can set them up and there's there's no need to, you know, what they would call juice something. Like, you know, back in the day, people used to juice shows. And they, I'm sure some of the shows people still do. Um, but, you know, the, the, there's a, things, a few things in this show that make it unique. Like Brandon has a lot to lose here, nothing to gain. Like there's no... Brandon's money is never going to be <laughs> coming from owning Skinwalker Ranch. <laughs> he's made more money than, you know, he's ever going to make from TV. He's already made. So there's no benefit to that. Um, so he has everything to lose. Like this is, it was a professionally expensive move for him to do this. Uh, so you can't, you, know, you can never have like, things being created or falsified or anything like that, like set up. Um, but the experiments help drive the action. Then the results are where, you know, where the unknown happens, right? So, as you're doing things, it's like, what's the response? Um, and so you can script out the idea of we're going to run this experiment, this experiment, this experiment. And I don't even know, like, I'm not part of that, part of that creation. Like I was talking with Eric yesterday, asking him, like, are you the, the this upcoming drone experiment? You know, I still want to know the origin. I was like, was that you? Or was it one of the production guys? Um, and he's like, well, no, we kind of, you know, put together and um, talking about like, more experiments now, like, you know, um, like what other, things that can be done in your know, future state, uh, you know, if we're lucky enough to get there. Uh, but, you know, the, I, w- I would say though that would be a challenge. There's never been, an, I would think that that would be a challenge if you are doing some kind of show about paranormal and without experiments. Mm-hmm. Like if the idea is observa- solely observation, I'm going to go here and see what happens. I can imagine that's got to be, that's rough. Like you're shooting already. Like, you know, uh, uh, I want to say it is 10, 10 hours a minute, 15 hours a minute, something like that right now. Um, so you're capturing, you'd be happy. You'd have to capture way more uh, without experiments. So, but yeah, I, I could see the frustration if you didn't have the experiments to lean on. But luckily I've never had to have that happen. So <laughs> um, the experiments are provocative yeah. and that elicits a response from the phenomenon and that just is gold because it's proven that if you provoke it, it responds. And then it's just a question of analyzing what that response is uh, versus how, you know, uh, the, the, <clears throat> the data surrounding what the provocation was, they analyze the response and then they can see, see what they can glean from it, which is, it's extremely perplexing. Uh, Leah prime. DJ, you just teed me up beautifully for what I was going to ask. Um, so I have a question about the data collection process on the show. Yeah, this was this could have been scripted, but it was not. Um, has there been any mention or studies conducted at the ranch that, to your knowledge, include the use of equipment to detect ionized or ionizing radiation? I would imagine so, but I, I don't know technically. Uh, Eric's got so much stuff going on there. It's insane. I mean, it, it, what's funny is anything you can think of, he's already done. <laughs> it's almost it's almost frustrating because you think you have a revolutionary idea, dude. You gotta do. Th- 
Yeah, I tried that. <laughs> no, you got to try. No, but there's this great new tool. No, I built my own. Like, no, but, but no. Like, he always had steps ahead, steps ahead and everything. Um, love him for it, man. But that's what he does. But yeah, I would imagine so, but I wouldn't, I can't, val- I wish I could validate that for you or verify, but I, I just don't know. Um, yeah, but, you know, the, the, the data is the expensive stuff, man. That's the, that's the you know, that's the, the money. Um you know, that's, I think that is becoming more controversial now. People want stuff released and, and then the world of AI now, uh, do another descent into madness. <laughs> so I'm going to cautiously say TJ that I'm pretty sure that I heard Eric mentioned, uh, measuring radiation levels. Uh, I, I don't know about ionized that part. Leah, right. I know that there's radiation. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know about ionized. Um, I don't even know what ionized radiation is. I know radiation. I, that's why we hired Leah because we don't know either. Because you know that's what we. But <laughs> I was gonna uh, mention that uh, if you listen to that UFO podcast with Andy McGrillen, uh Eric went on there and he asked him if he had an unlimited budget, what type of uh, an experiment would he run, and he talked about. Um, setting up an array, and you'll forgive me that I'm not a scientist, that would cover a large swath of the area that he wants to look at. But each they would each sensor would be gathering and interpreting data independent of the others. So if something moved across that array, it wouldn't it couldn't be tricked into passing one piece of information throughout the array that all those different sensors within there would be gathering, and then they could make a comparison. So I thought that was, and see if there's any changes. So that was interesting. I'm not answering it as well as Eric did, but that's my, Nathan, is that basically what he said? Yeah, I think you're spot on. I'd love to see that experiment. Yeah, he was like, yeah, because Andy said if you had $500 million, you know, he threw out a number that basically unlimited budget. Um, So also I want to say hello to uh, Julie. (laughs) Julie's in the chat. Hi, Julie. Thank you very much. For uh, hosting everybody, uh, that is the uh, handsome TJ Allert there, and um, TJ, <laughs> let's let's launch <laughs> launch into the uh, fireside chat, and um, I'd like to. Do, do you want to start off, or would you like one of the cabbies? No, one of you guys prime the pump. I would love to. I would okay. love to have you prime the pump, and, and let me hear how this goes. Nathan, do you want? I I can go first if you want with mine. Yeah, go um, ahead. It's really germane to the ranch. And oh, and there's the fire. You see the fire in the camp? <laughs> Hopefully, TJ got some s'mores and some marshmallows. Uh, and we are going to have a, a cap. Where's the keg? It's, it's definitely, we got to have a keg. It's New York. Uh, it doesn't matter how cold it is. Uh, and yeah, we are going to have a cab summer party. Uh, where it's going to be like the holiday party, but we're going to be talking about barbecue and potato chips. And uh, we'll probably before the end of the show, we'll ask TJ about his favorite potato chips. You can kind of get that in the back of your brain. Um, But anyway, um, so the idea of portals, TJ um, and, and crew cabbies. So it's very germane to what goes on on the ranch. Um, Matt is, you know, had on, uh, people on his show that are talking about portals. Uh, the Meadow Project there in Alabama talked about a very professional group of Bigfoot investigators uh, unwittingly encountered a portal whereby when they were looking at them on Therm and watching, you had three teams. And when uh, they were watching 
team two on thermal, they walked into, they said, we see a portal, it's in front of you guys, keep moving, keep moving, and they disappeared uh, from view. So the idea of portals, what I want to ask the team here, and I'll start with uh, Nathan first, is if if Dogmen and these other entities, uh, entities that are appearing on the ranch, uh, whether some people believe Bigfoot uses them, <clears throat> other cryptids, what is the process by which a portal is opened? What are the mechanics? Mm. How, who, if anyone, decides that that portal should be open so that that particular entity can walk through it and appear in our reality? How do you suppose that that happens? Would you like to throw something out there? Wow. Um, I don't even know where to start. Um, yeah, that's a big one, right? Uh, yeah. Well, you know, they, they've hinted at this on the show, right? They've hinted that there's been, uh, it's a speculation, right? That there's some kind of portal above the ranch. Uh, of course, we've heard mention of a portal on the ranch. Um, as far as like the mechanism by which one appears, I mean, I think we would have to understand I mean, we, we don't know our portal science for this way. Our portal science is not exactly great. Uh, so, you know, we, we've got theoretical things like wormholes, uh, you know, so things that can tra traverse space and time uh, through a wormhole that requires, at least from my understanding, a ton of energy. Uh, and they're very unstable, too, from what we understand. Uh, so maybe it's something like that. But uh, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, is there a, is there a connection to consciousness is our connection to the people who are there uh in a sort of in a way kind of manifesting that experience oh. to happen uh hmm. I, I i don't know um interesting you know i reminded too of that uh was it season one uh tj or two where they brought the rabbi on and he was kind of doing his uh you know sort of ceremony and while he was doing that they were i think like they had a uh, homestead two on thermal and there was like a, a cold anomaly that began appearing on Homestead 2 during this, uh, essentially it was a prayer ceremony. Um, so that was quite odd. And it kind of, for, as a viewer, I was like, well, where are we going from here? Like, what, what does that mean? That, that tends, tends to be the case, though, with a lot of these experiments, right? They kind of, they only end up raising more questions than, than providing answers. Um, I, don't, I, I thought it was three. I don't know. Yeah, maybe it was season been. three. Yeah, there you yeah. go. Season three. Because Jonathan was on that same one. We ended up getting Jonathan Dover, whom you had on the show. We finally got him on and Stan, his partner from the Navajo Rangers. And that was, uh, I, I used the word phenomenal, but it was his great episode. Um, Matt, so, you know, these folks that see these, uh, you know, Dogman, I, you know, a lot of people believe that that creature is moving through a portal. Does it decide to open this up this venue and let itself in uh who do you suppose uh, is the origin of of allowing something can can an entity decide that it wants to appear and it happens or is there someone else that's can pulling that switch is there a tj allert back there that's opening that portal mm. yeah uh simple answer i have no idea <laughs> uh, <laughs> i mean because if I something, size, baby. <laughs> you know uh, if something had the conscious ability to do that then i mean what are they god you know are are they a type of god there there's something beyond our understanding of you know science for sure 
and then if it does just happen somewhat randomly or by some other methods, whether it be uh, a certain type of geography or something going on that we don't know about or don't uh, pick up on at the time, are these uh, beings just in the right place at the right time? Uh, the odds of that seem very unlikely as well. Uh, or is it a combination of things, uh, you know, right thing in the right place at the right time with the right abilities? Uh, is it, you know, uh, string theory, uh, you know, entanglement where we're just happening to be overlapping at the right point in time for that dimension to cross over to this one. But then why can't we cross over as well? Why doesn't it, it's not a two way street. It doesn't seem, uh, unless you're one of these creatures, apparently. Uh, but then, you know, I've heard uh, some pretty crazy stuff out there. There's a, a gentleman, uh, Dr. Matthew Johnson, who had a Bigfoot encounter. Uh, and his views of Bigfoot drastically changed from where they began. And he claims that he has the ability to open portals. And uh, he just uses a red flashlight. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I, I it, did it, have a theory uh, whenever I was about 12, uh, how yeah. people uh, come across these cold spots in haunting, haunting cases. And the thought that I came up with then was that those were the spirits actually drawing energy from the area to manifest. Uh, and the drawing of that energy created a vacuum. And that's what we were feeling as a change in temperature drop, uh, you know, getting colder. But was it a portal opening? Uh, into the plane where the the spirits or whatever you want to call them could cross over. And that's the cold spots that we feel because a lot of these uh, situations that you spoke of earlier, where they're observing through some sort of, you know, thermal device, they mm -hmm. see these portals as a cold register and not a warm register, uh, which I find that kind of interesting. That, that goes with your theory. So you started out with, I have no idea, and then prevented, presented an excellent hypothesis. So, well, I, I don't know. <laughs> right. <laughs> I but certainly it's, it's, don't know. Uh, well, none of us know, but that's what yeah. we're doing. That's why we're here, is to kick it around. No, Obviously, none of us know. And we, we will get to, Nathan, please remind me, before the end of the show, we'll get to with TJ about uh, Chris Bledsoe. I'm sure he's familiar with him, but if you're talking about... I talked to him last night. Okay. Oh, all right. Well, then we will we will get to that after we're done with the no, fireside. Bro, I mean, I talked. To, I talked to last night. I talked. Yeah. We we will get to that because I'm going to want to hear about that because the kind of entertainment you're talking about. I mean, his story is one I would want to present. But Leah Prime. So Nathan's uh, hypothesis is interesting. Is that person manifesting the portal? Is it the entity walking through the portal that um, engineers its 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 opening? Uh, like Matt, uh, or what Matt said, which is a tangent thereof. What, what is your thoughts about that? These portals. Yeah. Um, so the first thing I want to say, um, and, and I always try to lay this out whenever I talk about these kind of mysterious or numinous topics, which is that I think our frameworks for instrumenting, measuring, and assessing these events are very, very limited. Um, and uh, 
my my secondary comment here is that there's basically a long storied tradition of rituals and behaviors to deliberately induce these liminal spaces and experiences, which largely defy the Western material tradition, uh, including summoning entities, right? Like, in the, I guess in the Western tradition, we have people like John Dee and Enochian magic, but we also have things like topos and egregores. Um, so when we're talking about portals and dogmen, to me, that feels like it's really just, uh, in a lot of respects, um, we're still singing from the same song sheet in terms of uh, traditions and rituals that have been with humanity for a very, very long time. Um, but even now we see conversations uh, I'm going to bring it up in the psychedelic community. Uh, Andrew Gallimore, for instance, theorizes that DMT entities are actually hyperdimensional beings that can be deliberately interacted with during a breakthrough experience. And so I say all of this to say, I don't have a great answer, but, um, like with a lot of subjects in this space, for me, I tend to analogize them to other traditions, like either psycho-spiritual, ritual, esoteric, and occult traditions um, that have been more or less uh, not only participated in, but um, consistently uh, participated and experienced in by people across all times and cultures. Okay, but no hypothesis on what makes it come about if it's if it's a derivative of something that's in our reality or if it's something in another reality that is decided that that it wants to open a door and somehow it, it, it happens. Well, I mean, my response to that is I think there are multiple layers of reality. Um, and the reality is that we experience is largely just an artifact of like electroconductive response to our brain. Like our brain doesn't actually interact with our environment. And so... Um, if, if pressed to answer, my thought would be that there are different kinds of realities that can be um, experienced either intentionally or deliberately cultivated or even um, stochastically, like they can just happen uh, based on particular environmental or psycho-spiritual activities. So right place, right time could, could yeah. be it for that. Okay. Uh, Deb. So we we got to um, move through these because this one this one actually uh, was a a bit of a twister and we hadn't gotten to TJ yet on to to speak to this one. So Deb, would you like to offer up something on portals? And by the yeah, way, welcome! Ideas. It's so great to have you. My great, friend. before great. before Thanks. Deb Bye, you answer, everybody. I just wanted to thank Leah for joining us. So she's got a, she's got a job. Okay, so I'm gonna give Bye, her Leah. an exit. So thank you, Leah. It's Thanks, great all, having TJ. You. It was a pleasure. Bye. Wonderful to see you all. Oh, I'll see you guys soon. Have a great night. Thank, thank you. you. Have a great night, buddy. Bye bye. By the way, can you guys hear me? Yes, ma'am. Okay, because <laughs> I didn't get to do a sound check. Sorry, I'm late. I sound good. To, I had this new idea um, recently that I think I may have thrown out to the world. What if it's not about portals, but things changing in size, going from very small to very large very quickly? I mean, everything's on the table. So... It, it, it's possible. It's just the question was sort of like, is it manifested by something that's in another reality wanting to enter? And if there's a, a process or as, as Nathan was able to put a counter on that, is it something that somebody is going in the woods, wanting going to a place that has a, a significant amount of energy, like the land between the lakes in Kentucky? I don't know if TJ's familiar with that area and is manifesting that portal to open you know so uh that was sort of where i was going with it um but um let's get to uh tj what what is your thoughts on that sir 
Uh oh, post-it note. Okay. So I, I I live on post-it notes, but I've been taking you bringing up a bunch of things tonight. And I'm writing down taking notes. <laughs> oh, good. Um, That's good. No, I live on I live on post-its, man. If you can see my flurry <laughs> of post-it notes. Uh, so I can only talk from. So I mean, obviously, everyone's theories, right? And I, I've been Hypothesis. trying to keep right ideas. Um, I, okay, so a couple things. So the word portal or vortex um, still carries a connotation to it that it's woo, right? It's still the woo part that, that, that it's hard to get over. It's hard to get past. Um, there has to be, we have to come up with a better name. It has to have a better name if it's going to ever be taken seriously as a thing, like as a, as a definition, a scientific definition of something. Um, this is my opinion. Right? This is the way I just, uh, this is how I, I, I see it because I feel like you hear those things and they bring a preconceived notion of portal meaning transportation, portal or vortex meaning this, that like that may, may not be what a portal is. It may not be that. Like, so my experience with it at, in, at the ranch in particular, and I didn't even know it was a thing. I had no clue what I was experiencing. Um, one night, late night, I'm out at the Ridge, uh, Eric's at the command center. I'm on a Ridge with a few people. And, uh, Start smelling sulfur. And it's like, what the hell is this sulfur? There's no sulfur here. There no, should be no sulfur smell. And Eric is immediately just like, oh, that that, that means that something, something just disappeared. Um, and so from what I understand of, of my experience and you know, the explanation was given to me, like that that dissipation of something produces the smell. Um, whether and so to me, the idea of how how it be it does or doesn't manifest. Is it like a tree in the woods? If it falls, you know, no one's going to see it. Does it exist? Like if we were on the Ridge that day or that night, would that have still happened? Is it like an atmospheric burp, so to speak? Like, mm -hmm. like a, a dissipation of energy. Um, and that dissipation of energy is just a natural occurrence. And if these natural occurrences, just like any natural occurrence, right, there are, there are environmental factors that make them happen more in one place than another. The ranch may be one of these places where these natural occurrences happen. Now, what comes through or doesn't come through a portal, I don't know if that's even the right term, like going through or coming through. If it's manifesting or dissipating in what you're calling your space, your reality, what's in front of you, is that transporting? I, I don't know. It's like to me, it's it, there's just too many. The, the problem is the words. <laughs> it's the words to get in the way. Uh because it's, you know, people think portal, oh, I'm going to walk through something and appear somewhere else. What I'm trying to verbalize, I guess, is like, maybe it's not that. Maybe it is the, it's the, the, the it's just natural. And it, all of these things, this is what I, I struggle with a lot. Like, you know, we talk about these things as supernatural. There's no super about it. It's natural. <laughs> it's all natural. There's no super part of anything. It's all natural. And it's just so rare that we don't, think of it or see it all the time. And so people are like, oh, it's super, it's paranormal. No, no, it's normal. It's para shouldn't mean different, like whatever the, the connotation is. It should just mean very, very rare or, or, or very limited in scope of, of where it can happen. Because what is not natural? How is something a phenomenon not natural? <laughs> like, you know, like, even if it's a human created, it's still a natural thing. A human is a natural thing. Like it's, it, it, because it borders on the thing of magic and, and even that, like that's where I get lost. Um, I don't know. I just think that it is 
all of this portals, I, I feel like they're manifested natural. I think it's all just nature. It's all nature that we just don't understand. Um, whether people can go from one point A to point B on it, I don't know. Um, that could be just uh, yeah. a different name. Because right, right here, yeah. the the like like you said, nature that could be a different name for something that, like you said, it could occur naturally, but it's not. The, I think paranormal. It says here beyond the scope of normal scientific understanding. So perhaps it is abnormal enough. So even if even if we just accept at face value what you said that it's natural, and it and it, in this particular space it may be more prone to occur there. It's beyond normal. So like in your walk up your brownstone in, you know, Washington, D.C., you know, it's not normal to see some sort of a dogman or something like come out. But maybe if that happened out at the ranch, it would be considered a little bit more normal at this point. So, you know what I mean? Like it's we're playing with well, words, scientific understanding is, the, is right. the thing, because yeah. you're you're assuming scientific understanding is in stone. Like scientific it's, understanding evolves. So our scientific understanding today is different than our scientific understanding in 100 years. So if we don't understand sure. it yet, it doesn't mean that it's not science. We just don't get it. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, no, there's a, I don't I don't disagree with you. But I understand, as you said, the words are getting in the way and it makes it di yeah. it makes it difficult for people to digest. So uh, but here's something that's not difficult to digest. It's money, Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> He's easy on the stomach, kind of like fiber yeah, one. Man, yeah, really there is. you go. That's uh, I never had that before. I like it. Um, uh, TJ, all right. So I know you've got an interest in data. Uh, I have an interest in data. Yes. Um, I know you've got a degree that you worked on uh, in that field as well. And you've talked a little bit about AI. Of course, AI is pretty hot topic right now. Uh, where is that taking us, in your opinion, in terms of uh, our ability to study things like this? But also, just in in your industry uh, more broadly, uh, you know, I'd love to get your oh thoughts boy. on, on <laughs> how, going here, huh? What what crazy roads we're, we're headed down here in terms of AI? Man, I have been preaching this. So, oh my God, this is one of these. Wow. So my what my fireside also touches on AI, but what you're just bringing out here is to me as a television producer. Um. It is changing the game. So, all right. <clears throat> so my T-shirt for the last 20 years should have said, whoever controls your pipeline controls your world. I've been saying this since 1999. Mm. And what I mean by that is whoever provides you the service to consume, uh, to consume entertainment is the one who shapes your reality. Um, and they will limit or, uh, you know, right now we're drinking from a fire hose. Um, but at a certain point, uh, it's just like the just like the Colorado River. It's all going to be disseminated and parsed out, um, and you're going to have factions. You're going to have the Horizon. You're going to have the ATT. You're going to have uh, Time Warners, and all of those will have their own content. Which is why you see that you you see these conglomerates of distributors buy catalogs. So Comcast buying NBC was a great one from years ago because Comcast has a distribution channel. NBC is nothing more than content. Um, so that was the old model, right? So you had the distributors buying the content. Now, and I'll use YouTube as an example. Um, YouTube is a great example because YouTube has all ends of the pipeline. They have the, they control the distribution. They control uh, the content creation. They control the advertising. They control all facets of it. Um, they are still limited by 
the the actual pipeline. But I mean, there's probably I'm sure Google has their Google Fi or whatever. You know, they'll they'll get in there. So AI comes into play here because if you think about, and I, I say this because I my son uh, watches YouTube. Well, not anymore. I pulled it away. I'm done with the YouTube nonsense. Uh, uh, and it's hard. It was a very hard thing for me to do to him. But um, so YouTube, you know how video killed the radio star? Well, YouTube killed the television producer. <laughs> uh, wow. And the reason why is because uh, typically a distributor pays producers, production companies, um, to make content. Well, I used to have this. This, this brain tease I used to do and I used to tell my friends all the time, uh, you know, we've still never figured it out. Well, we have, but um, when all the content is free, who gets paid to make content? Well, you do. And when I say you, I mean you, all of you, because you are the content. And so YouTube has destroyed producers and said, if you make content, we're going to cut you in to a small percentage that we would normally pay for producers. Because you get a 20 some odd percent markup, we're going to give you 1% and pocket the other 20 something. So now fast forward to now where AI comes into play. And so now you have AI and there's a new, well, not new, but one, one of the one of the multimodal AIs right now um, that is catching, getting, making a lot of waves is called Runway. And so Runway Gen 2 is, uh, is supposed to be a, an amazing text to video creator. Now, all this is... We're going to put all the IP and all of that stuff aside because that's another nightmare and that's a five-hour conversation. But when it comes to making content, <clears throat> someone like YouTube, who currently is the pipeline to distribution, you know, creation and distribution pipeline, why would they even cut a human in anymore at all? So their algorithm determines where the viewership is and then directs and pumps that up and then puts the ads on top of it. So let's just say, I, I've literally been having this talk for a month. YouTube, uh, like, a hot new thing happens. Uh, you know, yeah, people pick up pencils and they throw them at the ceiling. Oh my God, it's the hot new craze. Everyone's throwing pencils at the ceiling. Great. YouTube tells their AI text to video generator, make me 10,000 different variations of people throwing a pencil at the ceiling. Make it all different types of people, every intersectional quality you can think of, every nationality, every language, every everything. Release them all and see what happens. And then slowly some will get gravitated toward until they peak and then that's where their ads are going to go. Where's the human? It's over. <laughs> There's no more human. So you could have kids who spend five hours a day watching screens of people they think are people but are people. They're AI generated. And so now it's, you're watching, it's it's this crazy messed up matrix. Like, oh my God. And, and not one piece of human interaction. And then eventually that'll just be automated where it's writing its own, like its own text props. Um, so that is my dystopian future for, <laughs> for content distribution and creation. Uh, that's where I see it going and it's scary and I hate it. <laughs> Well, yeah, I see what you're saying there, and it's, it becomes this on-demand recursive uh, monster, essentially. Like the more yes. that you watch, the more that you influence, the more that it creates, the faster that it can create, the more iterative it can be. You know, it just this this endless loop Same. of you're never getting out again. <laughs> it's true. It, 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 I just don't know what we're all going to do for jobs. 
Now I, I want to ask you this: uh, Have you have you used it yet? Have you used any of the, the tools? In every the, day I yeah. use stuff. Every so I post I posted a thing I did on online on Twitter. Um, I created a workflow. So I mean, I, I could talk about AI forever. Uh, right now, though, you know, one of the one of the first casualties of AI will be single uh, single function applications. Um, and I proved it in one of the things that I did. So um, I had I had an idea where uh, and it's not unique. No one's ideas are unique. No one's a beautiful, unique snowflake. <laughs> it's an iteration <laughs> off of somebody else's. <laughs> he loves you know, that line. Lo <laughs> I always use that line. Then. Uh, yeah. fight on. But the, uh, and so my, so what I did as a test is I took a, a bunch of Legos and I threw them on the floor. And so I did a combination of three different, AI, two different, or no, three different AIs. And I posted a Twitter thread about this on my, on my Twitter thread where I, I took some Legos, I threw them on the floor and I took a photo of it. And I fed the photo to Bard. Bard is Google's AI. And I said, can you identify what these are? And it's like, yes. And I, and I got very specific. And, uh, and I was like, you know, give me the color and the, and the product number. And it was like, there's 100, here's 147 different Legos. There's 72 of these, 26 blah, 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 all the way down the line. I was like, great. Now, uh, so I took that over to ChatGPT and I said, give me three objects I can build from these 147 Legos. And it did. And I said, okay, now write those instructions. And it was like a house, a, a robot, and a bridge. And I was like, okay, let's build the house. Give me the instructions. Uh, give me step-by-step -step instructions on how to build the house, um, which it did. And I corrected it and made sure it wrote it so a 10-year-old could understand it and build it. And then I said, now modify, that, modify those instructions so I can feed those as a prompt to a text-to-image generator, which it did. And then I took that text image generation prompt and I sent it over to Dali. And then Dali did renders of the freaking houses that could be built from those Legos. I did my whole, I have a whole thread. You can read my whole process, all the prompts and everything that I used. That, um, that workflow is a good example of a very simple use of how all of it is baked in. It's baked into the data set. It's baked into what's called the corpus of data. Like it's it. It's over. Like the next step is is you better find a way to plug ourselves in, <laughs> um, because it does everything better and faster than we can. And I just did that for fun on the weekend. I was like, oh, I wonder if I could do this. And sure enough, um, so I love it. I mean, the, the uses are amazing. But I'll tell you this. Um, I'm sorry I'm going on these tangents, you guys. I, know, I apologize. Um, but you asked, so I feel like <laughs> i got to tell you. Absolutely. Uh, I'm trying to find – I've been – my my um, my presentation or my, my discussion of this has been clunky, and I'm still working it out. But what we're seeing now, I witnessed once already in the dot-com boom. And uh, what was happening then was everyone was like, oh, my God, we got to be on social media. We have to be online, all of these companies but they didn't know what they were going to do. They were going to do their thing online, which was advertising. Okay, great. Um, we're witnessing right now, every company and every person believes they need to use AI, but what they're going to do with AI is they're going to do what they're already doing with, but adding a layer of AI on top of it. So I'm going to be Instacart, but with ChatGPT, I'm going to be blah, blah, blah with ChatGPT. Great. So <laughs> they're all forgetting first. They're sharing all their fucking their data with them, <laughs> which is we haven't learned anything. Um, but so this is great. This first step. This is the first step. 
And so what you'll have is all of these one these, these single user applications die off. Um, the next iteration is what we can't imagine yet. And so we don't know anything that because we have not had it long enough and we haven't played with it long enough or developed anything specifically for it. Everything that's being used with AI existed before it. So we have not decide, figured out anything that could not have existed yet and built it with it. That's where the real innovation happens. And I think of it, I always try to use the equation like, or like, like the, uh, the analogy of like a refrigerator or a freezer or, or uh, some kind of storage device that was created. And everyone's like, oh, great, I can now put my stuff in here. Okay. Well, you're putting stuff that existed before the device in the device. What does the creation of that device now allow you to do that you couldn't do before? And that's where we're at. And we haven't figured that out. And my, I know my description's clunky, but um, I feel like there's, there's something deeper in there and some bigger brain person will figure it out. But that's where I, this, this is what I see is like, we're all just playing right now. And it's going to, it's going to have, I feel like a switch is going to be flipped and some people are going to come out of the woodwork. Like, guess what I did? Mm-hmm. I created fusion. I created faster than light flight. I did all this because of AI. Um, AI can do a, you know, a hundred thousand iterations of a car design in 10 seconds. You know what I'm saying? Like something like stupid oh, yeah. like that. And it's like, like watch uh, the animatrix. Animatrix is a good take on it. Um, they, they, when the AI becomes sentient uh, then, um, but anyway, I'm sorry. That was my. No, no uh, it's great. We're headed for an inflection point. I, I agree, and, uh, and and it's almost like an alien technology. Uh, so uh, you know, we spend a lot of time. You, that is my question. Right there, you go. Sorry, I didn't mean to take it from you. <laughs> we spent a lot of time on it. I, I, I could, I could, just like you, TJ, I could go on for hours on this. On this. Yeah. Sorry. No, it's I I, uh, I wrote a couple papers on it when uh, not too long before I met Nathan because I graduated just before that. And um, I'm not a big fan of strong AI or AGI just because the morality factor. And they discussed this on Lex Fridman's recent podcast. They said, oh, well, all we need to do is just have the morality and the thought process, you know, uh, work as fast as, as the technology is, is, is uh, gaining steam. And the problem is, but yeah, that's the, that's the problem because that's not going to happen. I think we've proven so it. I'm going to ask uh, you a question. DJ, sure. whose morality? Whose morals? Well, Exactly. Uh, human, so so as, as far humans? as uh, allowing it to, you know, giving it access to a lot of things, right? Which humans is the thing, right? It's it's not being regulated in any way, and I I studied some like a Georgia Tech professor who said that he taught uh, they uh, taught AI to be able to play a trick or to deceive another robot in a game that they had. And he said, if you can do that, how would I know it's telling me the truth? You know, it could say, well, it's in your best interest that I deceive you. So I think when you get to that level, I, I don't, I, I agree that it can do many things. It may find a cure for cancer for all, all I know, like you said, fusion or a propulsion system that right. we hadn't thought of. I got, I got that. But I'm talking about when it's just un, un you know, you just sort of release it to, to do its own thing. I, I, I don't, I don't trust that the right safeguards will be put in place that uh, it, it won't. won't. In fact, experiments have, been, have done lately where it started to, to try to uh, set up chats yeah. and do things. And, and I, I don't, I don't trust it. So I'm, I'm not a fan, but <laughs> let's, let, let's see if we can draw away from AI and back to the woman who joined us, who you remember from last time, Deb. Yes, Deb. A yes, study Deb. of UAPs. Deb, 
Do you have a topic for us to consider tonight? Yeah, so this thing happened today. <laughs> it, was it was a small little thing. It was a Senate hearing um, oh, involving, yeah. uh, you know, this little thing called Arrow. Um, and I just wanted to, you know, float that around. Some interesting things came up in that hearing, you know, like 600 cases were being reviewed, you know, things like that. And some things wow. that should have been brought up were not. But um, I just wanted to get your guys' perspective on that and, you know, the paranormal being part of the government and what that might mean for everybody. Well, let's go to Matt first and then TJ, myself and Nathan. So, Matt, uh, I, I haven't seen the results of it. I'm not aware of exactly what happened, but in general. Yeah, I have no idea what happened. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to give a horrible take. I, I, I don't know. They're looking at 600 cases. So that's what? uh this year so far like where are they getting the cases from that's a good question they did not say <laughs> it's a lot more than the 144 that they came up with two years ago though right or what was it a year ago when that report came out was it late 21 so yeah. um so yeah so. i mean don't you think now that it's become more public and uh the government you know is stepping forward with information and doing these hearings and everything don't you think that might uh, possibly lead to more sightings and reports of things that aren't necessarily factual or worth entering into the data set? Yeah, I think that he actually did say during the hearing that they're working on cleaning up the protocols for reporting, but they're also going to have an increase in that number because they're going to make people report. So there's both happening. But th those numbers aren't coming from man on the street. Th those are coming from probably DOD sources or affiliated sources like, you know, we're going back to Department of Homeland Security, uh, Army, Navy, Air Force, Marine Corps, and then other other uh, government agencies. So I, d I don't think that's coming from Bob from Des Moines who saw something in the sky. So that's that. That would be my take on it. TJ, what would you like to say about uh, the Senate hearings on UAP today? So I I uh, didn't pay attention because I know the result, um, which is nothing. Um, <laughs> no, I, it's nothing. Um, I I, I'm very I'm I'm one of those, and I hate to you know I, I'm very vocal about it. Like I I, I am. Uh, very outspoken when it comes to the government involvement in any of this, any of the phenomenon and stuff, because there is no scenario in which they will ever release anything without any benefit to them. There is no way that you will be with you will. Oh, all of a sudden they want to share things with us. They want to tell you something. Really? When did that ever happen before in history? It didn't. So it's <laughs> never going to. <laughs> um, it, it, no amount of pressure, no amount of anything. And I, I, I constantly talk about this. The only way we're ever going to get any answers is through capitalism, is through people like Brandon, is through people like Musk. If there is a dollar to be made by the by revealing this information or by holding this information or, or developing something from this, that is the only way in the real world that it will ever get out. The government is will continue to obfuscate it and they will use it as an eternal existential threat to raise money to increase budgets and get their, their only job is to keep their job <laughs> literally. And that's what they will do. If they can make you afraid of that, you got to give me money. Cause I can protect you from that. I'm going to you know make sure that we're doing the right thing. And behind closed doors, we're really finding out 
you ain't finding out shit. <laughs> you don't know anything because if you did, if, if, you, if people truly, here's the part I feel gets lost. If you truly, truly, truly had something about a little green man somewhere and you withheld that, that is by far the biggest story in all of human history. Nobody can keep that a secret. No, I don't care how many NDAs you sign. I don't care. You cannot keep that secret. It's like, you know, the Messiah is here. You like, like there, the only other story would be like, if we found another planet and they also had a Bible and there was a guy named Jesus, like, holy crap. Like the short of that, this is the biggest thing that there could possibly be. And I don't care how much you threaten a person. There will not keep that secret. They can't. And I, and I firmly believe that. And I've said this for years. Like, if there was enough evidence for someone to come forward and say more than just a story, that there's something here, then it's going to come out. Um, I, I, I just don't. I don't believe the government for any of this. I, I, I can't. I can't get behind it. Um, and I just think these are more dog and pony shows. And it's no, you know, no insult to anybody. Like, this is my opinion. I don't know anything more than anybody else. And you can be like, teacher, you're full of shit. You have no clue what you're talking about. Afraid I'm a jaded cynic and I work in television too long. <laughs> um, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> I work in land of imaginary shit. <laughs> I make entertainment. Um, and I am very aware of my bias. So um, I just, I, I, I get upset with this. I get annoyed at this arrow stuff. I get annoyed at all these, these acronym programs that, you know, I, I make a living on this, partially on this. I get lost with the number of acronyms that there are and programs that there are and people that there are and cult of personalities that there are in this, in this group. Um, and to hear this, another, another hearing, another great give, show us something for love of God. Um, <laughs> and, and they're never gonna, they're never gonna, because there's no, T nothing to be gained. TJ, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to both agree with you and disagree with you. I'm going to agree with your last point wholeheartedly. Um, and these guys have heard me say this. I am, when it comes to hearings, I'm the worst person you want to talk to because I'm the ultimate pessimist. Um, I don't agree with you in the fact about that they don't have anything because they can't keep a secret because I know people in the government who can have and do do keep secrets. And there are certain ways to do that. Uh, and there are certain people that will take those secrets to their grave that take this as their life's work, the way that you take what you do as your life's work or a pastor, you know, takes, uh, sure. Uh, I don't just tell any of that either. Yeah. I'm, I'm not, not I'm, saying just, I'm just telling you just my, again, it's my, no, opinion, I love that. I, I love know. it. Like, I don't, I don't know that what they have and I don't, I don't know what they're harboring, but I, I think they probably have, um, I'll, I'll go with what Jim Semivan said because he knows more than I do because, um, he had a need to know, uh, even though my clearance was, probably one step down from his, he had a need to know certain things that I didn't. And he says, they know more than we do, but they, they, don't, they don't understand what this is and they're at a deficit to try to explain it to the American people. The other part I'm going to agree with you on is it's not in their interest to divulge just to the American people. Um, and the cabbies have heard me say ad nauseum that until you do something to make them move from the position in which they're entrenched, they will not move. They have no reason to move. The only reason that they did move is because of what Lou Elizondo and Tom DeLong 
and Jim Semvan and all these guys, Christopher Mellon, and then you know a couple All-American pilots, uh, Alex Dietrich and Dave Fravor, came out, and now they're forced to talk about it. Now you can't say, we don't know, it didn't happen, we don't know anything about it. You can't say that now because they came out and talked about it. So now they're forced to talk about it in a way that Bigfoot, they are absolutely not forced to talk about it, regardless of the fact that they may have one or more bodies that they've collected from various roadside kills, from various interactions with uh, uh, SF teams out at Fort Lewis on maneuvers that may or may not have killed one, etc. Uh, if they have a body, they have no reason to tell you about it, because why would you mess with your, uh, your REI industry your Cabela's industry, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, there's no reason, you're, you know, your entire national park system, which is relatively new in this country, if you want to look at it that way, why would you say to people, oh, yeah, there's something out there that kind of looks like us and don't mess with it. It's really intelligent. It's really good at, at, at not being seen, and it's extremely terrifying. There's ne that, that, that is not going to happen on a podium unless they're forced to talk about it. So, and that's what people who are out hunting these things, literally there are teams of people that spend months in the woods try, that have shot at them, trying to kill one. Find ahead, one, I'll make you famous. <laughs> I will make you famous. Bring me a corpse. <laughs> I will make you famous if you bring me a corpse. Bring me a corpse of a Bigfoot and I will get you a TV show. You will be world famous. I'm kidding. I'm not kidding. I I know you're not. You see me on Twitter Spaces. I do this stuff on Twitter. Like I, I spend way too much time late at nights on Twitter Spaces mining for this. I look for this. Somebody somewhere, if it is true, someone somewhere, a guy with 42 followers from Albuquerque, New Mexico, is going <laughs> to jump in his face and tell me, "Hey, I got this." I've talked to way too many people who say they have stuff, and then they always they always fall apart when I'm at the end. TJ, we're in a perfect uh, pivot point here to let Matt tell you what he knows about people, uh, groups that are out there hunting. So, Matt, before you present your topic, could you take it away and just shed some light on this for us? Are uh, they idiots? <laughs> I mean, but could you expound on how many <laughs> fade to black, TJ? <laughs> and scene. Thank you. Have a nice night. Try the meal. To be righteous. <laughs> No, I mean, yeah, is that Marsala or Parmesan? Doesn't matter. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, right? That was great, man. TJ had me sold on, you know, jaded cynicism. I was like, "Hi, I'm your Bigfoot counterpart." Uh, <laughs> you oh, know, spirit animal. I, I understand the frustration <laughs> completely. You know, how many times have I tried to follow that string just to get it yanked out of my hand at the last second? You know, surprise. I, uh, you know, I, you sorry, know, I'm scared. Fumbling. Yeah, they start fumbling. <laughs> things go south. You know, oh, the body disappeared. I don't know. I've sure. I've never found a claim being made that I followed up with and found it to be authentic as far as having killed one or had a body in their possession. Uh, I did have an individual who, I mean, we were set up to make it happen. Uh, private property, lots of activity, uh, financial backer. I. I was just kind of in a support role, you know, with my experiences over the years, you know, kind of helping him out and strategy and all that stuff. And then uh, at the last second, he kind of pulled the plug and said, these things are demons. I don't want to have anything to do with them anymore. 
So uh, of course, you know, <laughs> she's just like demon shmeeman. Let's go. Yeah. Come on. Uh, <laughs> I don't a, care. <laughs> I don't you know, care. There, there was a group that had a short lived uh, television series. I, I don't even know if they did a single season. I think they just the pilot episode. Uh, but, you know, they were famous for years back in the early 2000s. You know, their whole thing was harvesting one. They had private property and that's all they did. They were hunters, you know, and they just hung out on this property trying to shoot one. But, you know, there are certain stipulations. Uh, it had to be a male adult. It couldn't be a juvenile or a female because, you know, that moral compass, whenever you're trying to shoot an intelligent species, <laughs> just prove it exists. Um, and, you know, there was a claim that one had been shot during an organized hunt, uh, but they were unable to retrieve the body. Supposedly, they were able to uh, recover, you know, bloody tissue and hair and all that, had a whole bag full of it. You know, we're going to send it off and all that, and nothing ever came of it. You know, there is never any reports filed or anything. Uh, so it gets frustrating, you know? I, I've heard of I do. <laughs> locations I do. where supposedly bodies are buried, you know? There, there's a, a, a cistern in Oklahoma supposedly has a Bigfoot uh, body in it, you know, where a guy shot one on his property and then got scared, very similar to the bug story that became famous on Coast to Coast, and uh, put it inside this cistern years ago and now that property belongs to somebody else right. who's completely unaware that it's even there and you know it's just rumors small town rumor stuff listen it I, I say this like you know how remember the air the uh what was it rush area 51 or char yeah. what was that called <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right, so, so if you tell me there's a, a, a something's buried somewhere like i swear that i i've pitched this idea i would love to see this happen like you can't stop masses of people, right? So if you decided that, oh, there's the Ark of the Covenant is in some church guarded by one blind guy in Ethiopia. Well, then bring 700 people and go in yeah. and get it. Yeah. <laughs> Don't tell me this. Like, oh, there's a there's a Bigfoot buried. Okay, bring 700 people to where Bigfoot's buried and go dig it up. And no amount of cops, no amount of anyone's going to stop you. Just go get it. Like, and, and I think this is where the, all these paranormal communities falter. Like, their strength in numbers. You know, if, if you really want to go to one of these places where a hotspot or whatever, go with 400, 500 friggin' people and do it. Like, do it. Go find it. Go. <laughs> and you just can't get enough people to, like, agree on what they and what they're looking for. TJ, <laughs> let let me ask one question. I want to ask Matt this, and I think you'll find this interesting. Matt, how many how many groups or how many how many groups do you suppose are hunting them, and why do you think that they have not actually killed one yet? Like actually hunting, like trying to shoot one. Yes. Yes. I mean, there's at least, to my knowledge, there's not very many to be honest, but there's okay. at least two or three right now. Comprised of how many each? That actually get to go on the hunts. Yeah. See, that's the that's the problem right there. Ego comes into play, as it always mm -hmm. does. Uh, there you go. You know, the speculation of, well, if we do actually shoot one, who do we want to split the money with? You know, who do we want to split What money? The, well, you know, that, that million-dollar bounty that's <laughs> on all of the, the, their heads. That everybody just... After taxes, it's $648,000. What? But, like... Let me, let me put it this way. So I was 
a good 15 years deep into this at the point, um, pretty well known, uh, was fairly good acquaintances with people involved in the top level of a group that is actively trying to kill one. Uh, I'm not going to say their name, but you know exactly who they are. We've talked about them before. I do. I'll uh, tell TJ off air. I looked into joining this group at the time. You had to pay them money to join, which bought you access to their message forum where you could interact with them on the message forum for a year. And then after a year, one of the top tier members could choose to nominate you for membership. And if they chose you to what? be nominated, then they would vote on you. And if you pass the vote, then you could join them out in the field. <laughs> by invite, not just Nathan, automatically. Nathan, does this sound like the skull and bones of Bigfoot? Thank you, sir. May I have Man. another? This is wow. Scientology? Yeah, it, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. If you had to pay, then you probably had to pay to go out in the field. And then you had to pay to get yeah. the special goggles that would only allow you to see it. <laughs> and then you had to pay to get the special bullets that would only hit it and it's nothing just, else. It's just more and more and more and more. And then we have to do how this person wants it done. And that person usually oh, thinks God. their idea is the right one, even though they're completely unsuccessful all these years. And it's just a lot of tail chasing and egos. And, you know, as we say in Oklahoma, pissing contests. They spend months in the woods. On a, When they go out there, they don't go for weeks. They go for months. Am I correct, Matt? Yeah. But, I mean, okay. why are you even calling yourself experts or hunters or anything at that point yeah yeah I've, I've encountered a bunch of these groups um but i don't find them as groups i always find the individuals and that's what the what the most compelling stories to me are the individuals that i find uh, i had mentioned one about a guy earlier on like you know one always sticks out in my head like i didn't realize in southeastern oklahoma that it's like a hot spot i didn't know that southeastern yeah. oklahoma was a hot spot um and this guy who was like they were hunting they, they were taunting him and his family and then he moves his two daughters and his wife to texas and then he set up like a freaking home alone booby traps all over his property to try to kill these things uh, i had a cop that was going to come online or, on camera and, and go on the record saying that this is all been happening and all this like the bigfoot stuff is is, is is interesting um but it's never proven like i i, I you know it's another one of those things man I, I just don't know like i need to see it like just we can't all be hallucinating, you know. Not everyone can just be having the same hallucination. So Matt, Matt has seen them, TJ. Yeah, Matt has that, seen. That, that's I, where I, I believe you. That's where I was. You know, I'm I'm a skeptical person, and even now I'm extremely skeptical. I think DJ gets irritated at me sometimes because he'll call me <laughs> up and be like, "Have you heard this story?" And I was like, "Yeah, that's BS. Don't listen to it." <laughs> I don't get irritated. But, but I, mean, like, I, I, had, I had to go out there and see for myself, like, what is going on? This can't be true. This can't possibly be true. And I went out there and had my life changed forever. And here I am 20 plus years later, uh, still talking about it on a daily basis, you know, talking about it right now. <laughs> I, but um. after all that time, and like you were talking about experts, knowing the history and all the anecdotal stories and everything, with all that information, knowing the entire history, I don't, I'm not any closer to an explanation than I was before I ever saw one. Right. And, and to me, that's the real mystery behind this thing. Because if these things are just some undiscovered primate, like, you know, the mainstream thought process is on them, then we would have something by now, surely. Sure. 
surely we're that capable. I mean, there is a gentleman out in the Pacific Northwest who is a billionaire, who has financed groups and hunts and thrown money at this thing for years and years and years. There, and he's not the only one. There's another billionaire from Texas somewhere that I heard about that does the same thing. So even with the money and the manpower, it still doesn't happen. Because they're doing it wrong. They need TV people. Well, they're, they're, they're <laughs> they really, people really... They're pressure to get something made. They're, they're really, really smart, and they know the woods the way that you know the inside of that office that you're in right there. That's their home, and they're very, very good at at hearing, using all of their senses to stay away from you or scaring you when they want you to, to back up and head back to your car. The I thing mean, that really bothers me, Matt, you know, yeah. With ahead, DJ, like, you know, you were saying, like, you know, the, we can interpret or we can decide, like, you know, people can think, like, oh, they, they do know, they don't know these things, they do know these things, they know the woods, they don't know the woods. Um, you know, it's all speculation. What I find, one of the things I find most irritating about any expert in any of these, in any of these fields, especially the Bigfoot one, is when I hear stuff like, well, you know, females live to be about 140 years old and the child oh, yeah, is like right. 70 pounds, and blah, blah, yeah. blah, 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 blah. What? It's Shut up. You're a moron. <laughs> Don't tell me these things and expect me to take you seriously. Um, I, I get, I get very, you know, I'm very open about all this stuff. Like I, 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 I will listen to everybody tell me their stories. Um, but as soon as you try to pee, piss on my leg and tell me it's rain, <laughs> I, I uh, you lost me. I agree with you, TJ. And I'm just going to, and again, Matt is the expert in this and I'm not, I'm, I'm a novice and a newbie. But if I were to put a potted cypress tree into your office right there, when you walk in, how long would it take you to notice that potted cypress is there? Is this a trick question? Am I missing something? No, no, you're not. The first thing that, exactly. So the first thing would happen when you'd open the doors, you'd say, oh, somebody put a potted cypress in my office. And that's how Bigfoot is when there's a trail cam or there's something that's inorganic that is that oh. comes into their environment. Uh, whether it's a vehicle that pulls up, they can hear you coming down the dirt road, parking the trailhead, getting slamming the door, setting up camp. Interesting. You know, all those things. Yeah. So what do you think about the Canadian government when they were going to do that that blimp project, the heat sensor blimp project? Um, you can read about it. They're, 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 Matt's you know about that? Of course I do. Are you kidding me? Like, uh, what happened to that? Like, okay. I now mean, that's out of the box thinking. <laughs> but is it? I mean, that it's our, it had already been done years prior to that. It had oh, been done I didn't, you know, I didn't on know. a television series, as a matter <laughs> of fact. Uh, you know, and, and that was, again... Uh, problems with humans got in the way uh, in the project. You know, a good plan on paper, uh, but wrong parties behind it, I guess, or involved with it. And it kind of just fell apart uh, before it ever really had a chance. Now we have the same abilities. Anybody, I, you know, with money, I could go out and buy a drone and do the same thing myself on my own. You wouldn't even need a big funded blimp project of any kind to do it. I, I don't know why people weren't using drone technology with thermal and video and everything. Uh, I think that's the way to go. Uh, I've recently been looking into uh, LIDAR scanning. Uh, I think that's got some good possibilities. You know, they're using it for uh, human recovery situations where people get lost in the wilderness and stuff. They're starting to use that along with drone technology. And I think that's probably where the future of 
uh, Bigfoot research needs to go uh, as far as if your ambitions are to prove their existence. I think that's probably the best route at this point. What about those, um, what are those satellites called that you can buy? Satellites? I'm not yeah, familiar with that. CubeSat or something like that? CubeSats. That's what I was, yes, I was actually, uh, yes, CubeSats. I feel like that's a that that's a tool in the toolkit that hasn't been exp, uh, explored for that hunt yet. Um, I mean, they're low orbit satellites. Mm-hmm. You can have any kind of sensor on if you had enough money. Right. Um, this is this uh, is a, this this could be a whole discussion as to why people that do see them aren't able to capture them. I mean, Matt has been there. He's seen other people and not able to capture it on film, which is a whole other discussion. But uh, and Bigfoot is, I mean, it's just a fascinating thing. But what I thought, you know, I want to make sure if anybody else has anything else, but I did want to hear your thoughts about Chris Bledsoe because uh, Nathan's neighbor there in North Carolina from Fayetteville, he is probably the most well-known, most credible uh, person who has interacted enough three-letter agencies, incredible people, scientists, types, have been down there and visited with Chris Bledsoe. And so what is your, your interaction and your thoughts with him so i mean chris is like straight up dude right like that's the best way to describe it um and like i said i talked to him last night but i was on a twitter space uh man i i want to go into this but i don't want to go into this topic uh (laughs) there's a lot there uh i don't know like he he's a um i remember contacting him just as this whole everything was starting, thinking like he is another, there's another narrative to be constructed around all of this. Uh, I understand if there's yeah. an angle, you don't want someone else who's potentially looking Chris Bledsoe to know what your angle might be for a project. I understand what is that what you're. <laughs> That's okay. That's uh, okay. Yeah, there's, there's, I feel like there's stuff there like that I just, uh, I don't know. I, I, I know I'm not a beautiful, unique snowflake, but there's sometimes I'm, a, I'm afraid to put up. I, you know, say things uh, that I, I feel might be a little bit more unique <laughs> or a little bit different than most trains of thought. Um, shoot. I feel like I'm on the spot and I should say, give you something else, but I don't have anything. to do. <laughs> I, you're not going to get you. You won't get pressure to, you know, no, I know, just, I know, I know. just speaking in general, TJ, this guy's had experiences that have been vetted by the most credible, arguably the most credible people in our society, from Jim Semivan, Diana Pasolka, uh, Dr. Bob McGuire told us he went down there, Nathan's partner uh, in crime, Exoacadamian, Darren uh, King went down there, uh, and ha- and people just go down there and have experiences. You want to talk about portals opening up, and you know you have a guy from the CIA saying something opened up and like some sort of a white bull and then a white lady popped out in this backyard. You're like, what do you, what do you say to that? I'm like, what do you make? Yeah. What do you make of that? Like, what do you, like, what are you supposed to do with that? Nathan, this is you, man. <laughs> I mean, right. Like we, it, this ties into everything we just talked about, right? There's a, uh, there's weird stuff happening in reality that we share. And it happens to people that we know, uh, people that we encounter. They're real people. They're credible people from all walks of life and all parts of the world and all kinds of cultures, weird things happen. 
and they don't fit into the conventional buckets that we'd like them to. Right. And so right. we spend, in some cases, our lives just sort of struggling with this, or they or they shape the direction of our lives. And, uh, you know, what's weird about it, too, I find, is that that's not necessarily all that uncommon in the way that things influence us. Right. So, you know, you talked about when you were a kid and, and you had your, you know, your dream science mansion. Right. And and here you are, like, kind of coming to a show with a guy who basically has an outdoor dream science mansion. <laughs> right. Right. And so, uh, you know, <laughs> that, you know, that, that, <laughs> that little vision, like, influenced your life in a way. Right. And uh, and I, I could well, probably go in lots of I've never thought of that, dude, on that. It was awesome. I've never thought of that. You know, so, uh, you know, we have, we have, we have, and this happens to us in many different facets of our lives, right? So the person that you end up with, you know, your, whoever your partner is, the person that, uh, that you feel, you know, is, is your best friend or the, the, the work that you do or places that you want to go visit, all of these things, uh, kind of start out as this, uh, you know, almost like they appear out of the ether in your, in your experience, but they motivate you and they guide you and they draw you into their presence in a way. Uh, and so it's just that these particular things that we've talked about on the show, they stand out because not everyone has those experiences. We all have the former, but we don't all have what we just talked about here. But is there really a distinction between them? I think that it's just that the ones we talked about that we kind of share, like just really common, uh, but, that, but the ones that are unique, I mean, yes, they're unique. They're different, but but they're happening, as you said, TJ. Not in the supernormal, not in the paranormal, right. but in reality. And so it's just they're way harder for us to get get our arms around, box, and figure out. But I do think that they help define the possibility space, right? And this is what's always been been true about human sort of discovery and the advancement of our knowledge. Like things happen to us, and we we, we start asking questions about them. And we start forming hypotheses and we start testing things. And then all of a sudden we, the thing that was like completely baffling us like germs for crying out loud, we figured what germs, you know, germs are. And here we are, like, we're thinking like those idiots back then, they didn't know what germs were. Well, I mean, that's where we are now. There are things in right. our reality that are, they're interfacing with us and we're, we're just given this task. It's almost the task of our generation, mm -hmm. right. To, to push this knowledge forward in a new direction to where our, our future humans will look back and go, wow, those idiots, they didn't know about X, but man, they, they pushed us there and I'm glad that they did. And they're going to have their own, you know, stuff to figure out. Yeah. I, th I think that we don't need to struggle with this. You know, there are things that you, str you have to struggle with your taxes and your taxes aren't particularly fun to talk about. You have to struggle with your business. Sometimes you struggle with family and, and raising children, et cetera. Um, just life can be a struggle, but in analyzing the phenomenon, we don't have to struggle because I don't have to define it and I don't care what word you want to apply to it. Whether you want to say it's natural, we want to say it's paranormal. It doesn't matter. It's just fun. Let's have fun talking about it and, and hypothesizing about it without making it a struggle because we're not going to define it right here. And, and frankly, the government, can, as Jim Simmons said, can't define it. So why do they want to have a conversation where they can't actually give you the answer and they're going to be left with you asking questions and them going, the government doesn't like to do this. 
I don't know. We can do that. And that's why we have this show is to do that. So that's all I would say is that when in analyzing this this phenomenon, um, there's no need to struggle. Let's just have fun mm. with it because uh, we're not required to get the nobody here is being paid to give the answer. We're getting paid to do other other jobs. So we can just come together and talk about it and have fun and nobody's necessarily right and nobody's wrong. You know, but where I do struggle, DJ, yes, is uh, if I have five dollars and I'm at the grocery store and I've got to go to a barbecue, uh, ah! which and I'm going to put this to TJ. I want his response. I'm dying to know. Uh, you've only got five dollars and you've got to go to a barbecue, and uh, you know there's a lot of people there, some of whom you know, some of whom you don't know. And they said, TJ, we need you to bring some chips, right? So you're in, you're at the chip aisle. You know, oh. what, what do you do? I mean, do you go barbecue? Do you go just standard? Do you, do you be the guy that brings, uh, you know, weird flavor nobody likes? What, what, what do you do there? Huge supply oh, of chips. Five, five bucks doesn't get me anything. It doesn't. We'll give you <laughs> 10. Yeah. Um, we'll bump the Marty. So 10, 10 bucks. I have, I am a chip snob. I eat for my birthday. My wife and my son got me 10 packages. Mm. Of Pringles, salt, and vinegar chips. All I will eat. Pringles. Because the reason why is because there's uniformity. And I don't have to worry about a whole bunch of air in a bag or chips <laughs> that were stuck in people's fingernails when they reached in and then they grab them and they go like this in the bag. And then you go and you grab the chips again. No, 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 no. Pringles. <laughs> Pringles are the perfect chip. And salt and vinegar is my favorite. It's my favorite. Um, this is, like a, this is like a window into TJ's soul. It here. is. This salt is emblematic of his personality. Just, yeah. <laughs> the salt, the vinegar, and the cleanliness, and yeah. the, the OCD. I love it. That's Tell you, that is my Pringles, salt, and vinegar chips are my the jam and my jelly roll. Once you pop, you can't stop. And I just, you know, if you, yes. go, to the, if you go to the party with that, uh, I mean, I don't know. Are you going to eat alone? You have to say you're just, they're, they're just yours, basically. Yeah. Oh, you want? Uh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. TJ's not sharing his chips with me. I don't even know. He's going to be I like, mean, here's the hand gel, DJ. Um, it's it's a, a big crowd. Like, you can't, but, but I'm telling you, it is the best bang per buck because there's no waste. And they're not even chips. It's like a chip paste. I, I watched the whole program on how they're made. It's like crushed up. It's like a, like ground beef in chip form, right? Like how they make ground beef. They make That's what they do, I guess, with the chips. It's like a paste. But it's like – and I don't even think they can call them potato chips, right? I think there's a – I think that there was some kind of regulation that was passed because the chip lobbyists or something. Right. Yes. Um, it's a potato starch mold, basically. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Thank you. Just stamping them and, out. Just. And Whole Foods does have some sort of a knockoff that's supposed to be healthier. I don't know if you've tried them, Nathan, uh, TJ, but healthier. I would encourage healthier. You can, you can at least get a can <laughs> of it and try. Yes. They could. You could only say, okay, it's they're no it's, good, but it's fried potatoes and salt. <laughs> There's no way to get healthier. It, it is what it is. It like. <laughs> it's delicious and i believe them <laughs> as much as i can um guys there's one yes. more thing i got to do before i got to get deb in here because deb has only literally spoken once during the entire podcast. Yeah, deb. deb i just want to ask you because i know that you're very interested in this man's story what comes to your mind when you think about chris bledsoe and his experiences deb 
You know, honestly, the reason I spoke to Chris was the arthritis piece. Um, because <laughs> I, no, seriously, the, that was very interesting to me on many levels, not only because I actually have St. Francis as a statue sitting on my porch. And that was a weird thing that that got brought up into the whole story about it. And then the fact that I have arthritis. So I reached out to him about that. And there's there's a whole component related to him healing people and things like mm -hmm. that that is really intriguing to me. And I would like to um, have more conversations with him about that in the future. So the healing aspect is the most interesting to you of everything that you know about him. Yes, because it's he's... actually usually the reverse when it comes to the phenomenon. People are getting hurt or sick, et cetera. It's kind of unusual for him. It's healing. Things are healing. So that's what intrigues me. Listen, he's a he. He's always online. Like uh, I am a. I, I love the Twitter Spaces. He's on Twitter Spaces a lot. I mean, you'd be surprised at all the people you get to you can interact with on these Twitter Spaces. Like Twitter Spaces, is really starting to come into its own. So I, I, I want to interact with him on this show, TJ, and I have been largely and highly unsuccessful in getting him on here. So why? Just tell him. I don't because he doesn't I have whatever yeah, whatever the emails, DMs, every way we've tried to get a hold of him. I like I don't understand people. You like, have so much fun on the show, dude. You know. I just don't get people, man. Like, that's weird. Just yeah. go on a show. Like, what are you talking about? Like, be happy that people want to talk to you. I don't know. I maybe he hasn't seen it, and his management is the only one who's seen it. I don't know. I haven't personally. I don't have a way to get through to him, but I know he would have all kinds of fun on here. We talk about his favorite chips and his barbecue, and all that stuff, Carolina style barbecue. But um, nice. whoa, anyway. whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Yeah, we, we started something here. <laughs> okay, okay, guys, I have to tell you something. I have this urge to tell you. I made up a chips joke because of this show. Like, it just, like, kept rubbing <laughs> off on me. I was chatting with a client, and I said, okay, what type of chip do poor shoes like the best? Yes. To what? Poor shoes. What kind of chip would poor shoes like? What kind of chip would poor shoes like? You ready? Free yes. toes. <laughs> Free toes. Another chip that, by the way, I love. Overly salty solid. corn chip that I could eat for hours. Um, Matt, I'm yeah. sorry. You wanted to deride me for barbecue before we, we did say no, our cabbie you're, goodbyes. You're good. Okay. Um, you're good. You can tell me something about Oklahoma barbecue. Okay. Uh, I'm not gonna say, no. All right. Let's go with your cabbie goodbyes then, please, sir. Battle. Yeah, Welcome. it's been awesome. I have thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, man, I, I want to go off on an AI tangent now. <laughs> so thanks for that. Uh, but yeah, uh, thank you so much for coming on and giving us some of your time. Uh, of course. You're doing some amazing great. work on TV. I, I've enjoyed it and uh, looking forward to uh, your continued work at Skinwalker Ranch. Thank you. Thank you for supporting it. I'm watching. Appreciate it. Debs. I met Brandon very recently at a um, conference in New York. Yeah. I saw and pictures. Did you put pictures? Yes, I was there for yes. that. Yeah. And I'm happy to say that when I mentioned your name and that you'd be on the show soon, he just lit up. And that told me a lot. But I already knew how incredible you were. And we are uh -huh. always blessed when you come and talk to us. And when I get a chance sure. to communicate with you. It's amazing. So thank you so much for everything that you do. Thank you. 
Thank you. Yeah, TJ, uh, I feel like you're an honorary cab member at this point. You've been on the show many times. We're very grateful uh, for every time that you appear. I just love your openness to the conversation, the community. You're a genuine person, and that means a lot to us. And I, I can see that it comes out in, in your work and what you pursue. And, uh, you know, I thank you for that. Um, the chip thing, I don't know if I can get, get behind it. I just personally am not a... <laughs> I'm not a salt and vinegar kind of guy. Uh, salt and vinegar guy. I'm, not, I'm, vinegar not, I'm just not. I just, uh, I Pringles, I'm, I'm cool with. But, uh, yeah. But, uh, you know, the next time I see you, Pringles, salt and vinegar on me. So awesome. I'll hold you to it. <laughs> this is great. I yeah. echo every, everybody's sentiments, TJ. Um, you know, I'm going to go and I'm going to pre, pre screen those Whole Foods Pringles on your behalf and then give you a report. Please. And TJ is awesome. Last summer, I was down in Tampa to work at CAE for a little bit, and we had to talk about some prospective guests. And he took he actually took a phone call and educated me on some stuff. And so, uh, just to echo what they're saying, I really do appreciate your time and your genuineness and in, in coming on here and, and sharing your views. And we learn a lot when we speak with you. Hopefully. You've learned something from us uh, that potato chips are important, you know. Uh. <laughs> no, listen, I love – listen, you guys are great. It's why I always say, like, I don't care. I will always do your show anytime you ask me. You know that. Just text me. Um, yeah, I have no, no <laughs> ego about that stuff. Like, yeah, whatever, man. You guys want to come talk? Let's go talk. Hang out. It's, it's, it's awesome Wednesday night. Let's do something. Um, you know, that's how I look at it. It's like anytime you can share with people, you know, and talk about stuff you like to talk about and, and – uh, Exchange ideas. I love that. And this fireside chat, this is great. I, I think this is a good format for you, like kind of getting a round table and, uh, and letting people kind of throw ideas around. Um, yeah, I like your I like your format. This is this is good. But no, I appreciate it. Um, I look forward to this anytime I, I can. Uh, and I don't do many. I don't, I truly don't. And it's not because I don't. It's like, listen, people ask me to do stuff. I'll do them. Um, but I mean, you, you guys have always been great. And uh, I'll you know, make sure that, like, when you text me, I'm like, "Oh shoot, I better get back to it quick." You know, <laughs> that is so, yeah. it's so awesome, man. I, I feel much more important than I am that you do that. And please tell your family, thank you for letting us borrow you for uh, a couple hours here. We really do appreciate oh. it. And we will send you oh, an okay. invite uh, when we do the summer party, where we will be dressed in barbecue attire. Nathan will have a barbecue background up there. Yeah. And we will be talking Why? about. Uh, <laughs> we're gonna do a barbecue. chip bracket, so you got to participate in that. It's yeah, a, we're gonna have a chip bracket. One we're chip gonna be talking all. UFOs and barbecue, and 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 the un, and as Matt likes to call it, the unexplained. So I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so on behalf of uh, TJ Allert, Matt, Debs, Money, Nathan, this is DJ saying peace out, one love. We'll see you down the road, and as always, the cabbies are wondering what's up around the bend.